Well, thank you, guys. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Maggie, for leading us this morning. Really appreciate it. You guys realize that that, that, was, that last song is the one that Daryl wrote? Um, so I heard more singing. We're getting it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, what are we talking about? Talking about friendship, right? Um, so today... We are moving on in the next, the fourth kind of topic in our series on friendship. And we're going to talk about this guy, all right? Who is this guy? All right, Simon Cowell. And, and what do you guys, what did you say, Dan? Spencer in 20 years. Spencer in 20 years. Let's hope not. Tell us what's he famous for. Who knows? American Idol, America's Got Talent. Britain's Got Talent. He's on X Factor too. All of them, right? So he's he's the judge for these musical talent competitions. And what's he known for? Sarcasm. He's so pessimistic. Pessimistic, maybe, yeah. Brutally honest, right? Right? He's brutally honest, okay? So what we're going to say is that Simon Cowell is candid. He's candid, okay? Because true friendship is candid. That's our topic for today. And candid is simply a word that means someone who is frank, they're outspoken, they're open, they're sincere, um, they're free from reservations, they don't disguise what they're trying to say, they're straightforward, they're brutally honest, okay? And so they tell it like it is. They tell it like they see it. And that's probably what he's most famous for, right? Now, I was going to show you guys a clip from X Factor just to illustrate this. But I have to tell you that just sitting in front of my 13-inch computer, I just cringed at every single clip that I watched, partially because of his comments, partially because of the singing. It's so bad, especially on the best when he gives his best comments. It's just so so bad that I couldn't imagine putting it on the big screen and I, I would just like, my awkwardness radar would be going through the roof and I, I could not take it. So instead of showing it to you, I have written down a few of his most famous quotes, okay? So the common experience for these contestants, right, on this TV show is they love to do the backstory of the contestant, right? And they're like, you know, tell me about yourself, tell me... Um, how, you, how do you feel about the competition? And the worst ones are always the most confident ones, right? They're like, I can win this thing. I am going to win this thing. And the best is when you look at them and, you know, not that we're supposed to judge people by the external appearance, but looking at the external appearance, there's not a lot flashy there. And they're always like, I've got the voice and I've got the look and I can be on the front of a record cover within the next week. And wow, this is not going to go good. And then they go in there and they audition and you know within about two seconds that it's just really, really bad, right? I honestly don't even watch the show. I can't take it. It would be, I could not take a whole show of that. I don't know how people watch 45 minutes straight of that kind of stuff. So here are some of the things that Simon has said to contestants as they flop their auditions. He says... If your lifeguard duties were as good as your singing, a lot of people would be drowning. That's one. He has said, yeah. Uh, if you would be singing like this 2,000 years ago, people would have stoned you. 
This next one's long. So this one's a long one. You're probably the most disillusioned group of people we've ever had in this competition, and that's the truth. I think the group is horrendous. You have absolutely zero edge, no originality. I think individually you're weak. I think as a group you're even worse. Absolutely zero chance you will ever, ever, ever have a successful career. career. <laughs> oh my goodness, they keep getting there. Um, he said, not in a billion years. There's only so many words I can drag out of my vocabulary to say how awful that was. <laughs> and finally, I don't know what cats being squashed sounds like, but I now have a pretty good idea. <laughs> I don't know if he comes up with those ahead of time, but those are candid comments. Those are brutally honest, right? Now the irony is that a lot of these people they got in there because people told them their whole life that they were amazing, right? And they go and they do their audition. And what's even more ironic is when they come out from hearing these horrible comments and, and they have four professional judges that just all four of them say, nope, you're not very good at this. You should not do this anymore with your life. They walk right out and there's their friends who are there to say, they're all idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. You're amazing. You should keep trying to be a singer. And, and it starts to beg the, trend, the, the question, are these really true friends? Right? Are they really true friends to go against the judgment of four professional judges to, to tell their friend that you should really spend the rest of your life pursuing something that these people say you're horrible at, right? So that's kind of the topic for today. The topic is true friendship is candid, all right? So true friendship is honest, or it tells it like it is. Let's review really quick where we've come from, okay? Um, we're looking at this book. That's what we're using kind of as our background uh, by Vaughn Roberts called True Friendship, Walking Shoulder to Shoulder. And so far, we've covered a couple of different topics. First of all, you could say we started with true friendship is crucial, okay? We said friends aren't just nice, they're necessary. So true friendship is crucial because Genesis tells us that when God created humans, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So it's not good for us to be alone. That friendship is crucial. Then we said true friendship is close. And in Proverbs, we saw that a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So though we may have tons of Facebook friends, we may have tons of people who call themselves friends, a true friend is someone who's close and especially when trouble comes, they stay close to us, closer than a brother. And then last week we said true friendship is constant. And in Proverbs again we see a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Okay, So they're always there for you. So true friendship is constant. So today we're going to talk about true friendship is candid. Right? True friendship is candid, it's honest. And we're going to start with this proverb. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So let's start by just asking, what is this talking about? Okay. So there's a contrast at the beginning between open rebuke and hidden love. So we need to start defining some words. What do you guys think the word rebuke means? Drew. Okay. It, okay, it sounds like being put down. Yeah. Um, it's like a sharp, yeah. Not so much a, um, like, 
It's a criticism. It doesn't really give you warm fuzzies, usually, when you get a rebuke directed at you, okay? And rebukes can be honest, okay? Sometimes we need to be rebuked. In the New Testament, Peter is talking to Jesus, and Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah. And then Jesus goes on to talk about how the Messiah must die. And Peter says, Jesus, you got to stop talking about how you're going to die. This is really kind of putting a downer on the crowd. And it says that Jesus rebuked Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan. That's a pretty rough word coming from Jesus. You know, Peter's like, my name's Peter. My name's not Satan. But really, Jesus is getting at the point that, Peter, what you're saying you want me to do is exactly what Satan wants me to do, which is not (laughs) suffer and die. So get behind me, Satan. Peter, you need to change your perspective here. So, so rebuke is not necessarily a sin or bad. It is hard to hear oftentimes, especially the truer it is. So the proverb tells us that it's better to have an open rebuke than to have hidden love. So hidden love, you might say, is love that you hide your real feelings about someone. Okay, So hidden love, you might say, well, you, you love a friend, but you're not willing to tell them the truth. You're not really willing to tell them what you think about some of their decisions. So it's better that your friend would speak up and say, we really think that you're making a bad decision, than that they would hide that from you in the name of love, that I love my friend, so I'm not going to say that to them. And in the proverb, it says it's better. It's better to have a friend that rebukes you than one who hides his love by not rebuking. Well, the next phrase oftentimes repeats kind of the first one in a similar way, and it does here too. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend and profuse, or many, are the kisses of an enemy. Now, if you were given the option between wounds or kisses, you're probably going to choose kisses, right? Kisses don't hurt, generally. Um, So a wound is better than a kiss, but in this proverb, it's saying a wound from a friend is better than a kiss from an enemy. Now, Simon Cowell is doing people a great service by honestly telling them that they aren't good at singing, okay? Whether or not you might agree with or disagree with his delivery and the way that he says what he says, he really is doing you a service by telling you that you're not very good. So you can do one of two things. You can go and train and get a voice teacher, whatever it is you need to do, Or you can choose another path in life and continue to enjoy singing in church and other things, but maybe give up your dream of being on the big screen, okay? The big stage, right? So it's actually a service for him to be honest. Think about how much heartache and embarrassment could have been saved if some of these people's friends had told them before they got on primetime television that they weren't very good at singing, right? I mean... All you have to do is type in, like, worst X Factor or something, and you will find people, real people, who have millions of hits on their video. Like, literally millions of people know how bad you are at singing. Millions of people have sat in front of their computer screens and laughed at you. Think about if your friends would have just said, you know what? We really think you should pursue something else. Not a, you shouldn't go stand in line. You're going to end up in one of these worst categories, not one of these best categories, right? Well, for a lot of people, when life goes out of control, 
um, those who are outside start asking the question, who were their friends? Okay, so when someone walks away from Christ, they walk away from being a Christian. When someone, let's say, starts dating or sleeping with a boyfriend or a girlfriend who's just really bad news, like they're, not, they're, help, they're not helpful, they're hurtful, um, they shouldn't be sleeping with them in the first place. What if your friend gets arrested for drunk driving when someone overdoses on drugs, when someone ends up in jail, when they get caught shoplifting, um, when someone commits suicide? We start asking the question, who were their friends? And oftentimes the answer is no one. They, they didn't have anyone who was their friend. They didn't have anyone at least who was close enough to be a true friend to address some of these harmful behaviors in their life. And that's why their life went so badly. Okay, So we expect that true friends don't let their friends just go downhill. They don't let them just make horrible decision after horrible decision. Rather, a true friend is willing to wound us. They're, rather, they're, they're willing to hurt us. And hurt us by telling us the truth is really what we're talking about here. Okay, So a true friend will tell you the truth. They'll point out that your life is going out of control. They'll call you out when you aren't acting the way you should act, when you're not living like a Christian, when you're being a hypocrite, they should confront us when we start dating someone who's bad news. They should confront us about cheating or lying. Um, they should confront us whether we want to see it or not. And we all know that the truth hurts, right? You guys have heard that phrase before. The truth hurts. It hurts to have someone come up to you and just tell you like it is, especially when it's true, and so it feels like a wound. It feels like your friend is hurting you. But it's the type of wound that if we're willing to receive it, it'll make us better, it'll make us stronger in the long run. There's a quote from Oscar Wilde, and he says, a true friend stabs you in the front. Right? So like, you're not getting stabbed in the back, they're not talking behind your back, um, saying dirty things about you. They come right to your face and they say what you need to hear. A true friend stabs you in the front and it hurts. But it's for your good. And Ralph Waldo Emerson says, It is better to be the thorn in the side of your friend than his echo. Think about what it means to be the echo of your friend. The echo of a friend is someone who just is exactly like the friend, right? You, you just mimic them. You do everything the same. You, you never question each other. You just want to be, you do everything exactly the way the, the friend does it. It's better to be a thorn in the side of your friend than to be his echo. So that brings us to the end of this proverb, which says, Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So many are the kisses of an enemy. What are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about the opposite of a true friend. So if true friends are candid, the opposite are friends who flatter. That's what we're talking about when we say profuse are the kisses of an enemy. A friend who flatters you. When was the last time your enemy kissed you? Probably never, okay? But we're talking here about someone who will only compliment you, who will only tell you how wonderful you are. And if you listen to everything this person said, you'd think you were amazing at everything. 
that every decision you made was a great decision. And these are the friends who are responsible for getting their friends onto X Factor, where they are able to rack up millions of YouTube views of their horrible performance because they have flattered their friend throughout life and they've never given them a dose of reality. There's a proverb that talks about this and it says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. In other words, if you're someone who flatters your friends or flatters other people, you are setting a trap for them. You're laying a net out in the open for them to walk into and get caught, just like you would catch an animal. Okay? That's what you're doing if you don't tell them ever about their weaknesses, if you're never candid with them or honest with them. And it can end up far worse, believe it or not, than just being humiliated in front of millions of people. There's actually worse things than being humiliated in front of millions of people. It could cause you to pursue, to waste your entire life chasing after something that you really have no business chasing after. It can teach you to value only people who say positive things to you. It can teach you to be the type of person who never receives criticism. Who whenever someone tells you the truth, you reject that person as someone who doesn't need to be in your life because they're negative or because you just don't like what they have to say to you. And ultimately, it can teach you to believe that you're someone who doesn't really need a savior. That you're someone who's really not that bad. Because everything you do is great and wonderful and good. And if anyone has a problem with it, it's their problem. It's not yours. And it could go all the way down to the path to say, if God doesn't like me for who I am, then God can just take a hike and I don't want anything to do with him. So this type of mentality is not just detrimental in the short run, it's detrimental in the long run. It could ultimately lead to someone rejecting Christ and going to hell. So someone who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. He's setting a trap for them. So friends who flatter aren't friends at all. So just two more things to talk about. First of all, how do we invite candid friends and then how do we become candid friends? So how do we invite candid friends? So if a true friend is candid and we want true friends, then we need to be the type of people who really want candid friends. Well, that means that we have to be people who aren't threatened by critique or correction. Oftentimes we think that everyone out there has everything together. You guys wrestle with that? You see everyone around you and you think, well, they've got it all together. They've got everything lined up. Their life is all in order and mine isn't. And I really don't want anyone to come onto the inside of my life. I don't want them to see behind the mask that I put on each day when I walk out the door because they're going to realize that I don't have everything together like everyone else does. And the Bible really helps us with this view because the Bible tells us that we're all sinners, that none of us have it together, that we're all messed up, that we all need Christ. And it helps us to be able to start to let down that mask and let people into the real issues of our life. And so we must be honest with ourselves and with our friends when our friends come in to our life. That is what begins to invite candid friends into our life, is honesty with ourself about our own struggles. 
And then once we're honest with ourselves, we must befriend people who have good character, people we'd like to be like, people who when they point out something in your life is something that it's worth pointing out. So, for example, we don't want a friend who says, you know what your problem is? You just don't party enough. Like, you really got to let loose when you get out to the parties, just drink a little more alcohol. That's not really the type of friend that we need, right? And we all know that those people are out there, okay? That your, your problem is you just listen to your parents way too much. You really need to just cut that relationship off, get out, experience the real world. You're 13, you're an adult, you should get out there and do what you need to, right? Those types of friends aren't really that great of friends. So we need to start by choosing friends who have good character. So that when they do approach us with a candid comment, we can trust that what they're saying is actually worth listening to. If our friends aren't worth listening to, well, then it doesn't really matter if they're candid because they're just going to give you really bad advice. Okay, so we must befriend people who have good character, but then we must befriend people who are honest, who are willing to say what they think and not just what they think you want to hear. So we have to have friends who are willing to speak their mind. And then most importantly... We must respond to their honesty, to their open rebuke, with gracious and teachable spirits. The quickest way to push away a candid friend is for them to open up and finally take that difficult step of telling their friend, I really think you're making a bad choice, and then you say, well, you're an idiot. That's a great way to get rid of candid friends. If you just take their rebuke and just throw it back on them and just get really defensive or maybe you deflect it back and say, oh yeah, well, it's not as bad as what you're doing. Or if you are um, quick to say, well, you just misunderstood. You misunderstand, you misunderstand, you misunderstand, you misunderstand. You just tell someone, you just don't understand me. You don't get me. You're just deflecting open and honest and helpful critiques. You're not going to have any candid friends and you're going to walk into the trap that's set by friends who only say good things to you and the last thing i want to say is you have to want to be better than myself okay so think in terms of myself that's you talking myself here's a quote for you gordon mcdonald expresses well the true goal of christian friendship here it is there is a certain niceness to a friendship where i can be as they say myself so that's kind of like a definition of friendship. It's someone that I like to be with these people because when I'm with them, I can be myself around them. You guys understand what I'm saying? It's nice to be able to be myself. I don't have to be someone fake, and that's a good thing. But what I really need are relationships in which I will be encouraged to become better than myself. Myself needs to grow a little bit each day. I don't want to be the myself I was yesterday. I want to be the myself that is developing each day to be more of a Christ-like person. In other words, you know, you don't want to be like, you know, in fifth grade, these people really, I, I had this group of friends because they let me be myself. I would pretend to be a cowboy and we'd run around in the backyard and it was, it was, it was great. I could be myself. I could get out my little six-shooter clippy guns and then like, it was great. I could be myself. Well, if you are 32 and, and you're still looking for the friends who lets you play cowboys in the backyard all day long, it's going to be kind of weird, right? So you, you don't want friends who just let you be yourself, okay? So that's, that's a silly, like, immature, mature illustration. But let's think about, I like friends who let me be myself because they just let me 
you know, when I cuss around them, they don't care. They let me be myself. Well, maybe yourself needs to grow a little bit. Maybe yourself needs to change a little bit. And if you have friends who say, hey, listen, it seems like you have a favorite word that you use all the time, and it's, it's not that helpful of a word, that's a, that's a good friend. Okay? It's good to have friends who help us to not be ourself, to help us become better than ourself throughout time. Another quote for you. Sometimes what I need is honest, impartial advice, which flows from a loving concern, not first and foremost for my happiness, but rather for my holiness and wholehearted discipleship. It may not always be what I want to hear, but I know it is motivated by a desire that I become the best I can be for Christ. Such wisdom is worth its weight in gold. Perfume, this is a quote from Proverbs, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. So that's our proverb here. Let's look at it again. He says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. So what makes a friend particularly pleasant for us is one who's willing to counsel us, one who's willing to earnestly tell us the truth about ourselves. Okay, so that's all under the category of how do I invite candid friends? And finally, how to be a candid friend. Okay, so if you want to be someone who's known as a candid friend, we need to begin by loving people more than we love their perception of us. What often keeps us from being candid is that we love ourselves more than we love our friends. I know that we don't necessarily think in those terms, but think of it like this. Um, we love being loved by our friends, right? We love being accepted by our friends. We love that they like us and they call us their friend. And we are afraid that we might lose that if we tell them the truth. If we say to them the hard things that a friend really should say that would keep them from going down the path. Because that there's always the possibility that they'd reject it, right? There's always that possibility out there that your friend might say, I don't like you anymore. I don't want to be your friend anymore. I think you're stupid for saying that. You should just accept me for the way I am. And you might lose that friendship. And that's hard. It inflicts pain on you. But we have to realize that if we're going to be a candid friend, we have to realize that being candid is not unloving. That it's not unloving to share with someone a truth that they need to hear, a truth that they're blind to in their own life. We need to redefine what is loving in a friendship. So love isn't saying only what will make people feel good about themselves. Love isn't affirming someone all the time and never disagreeing with them. Love isn't keeping the relationship comfortable and never allowing there to be any tension. Instead, we see in Scripture that Ephesians 4.15 says that we should be people who speak the truth in love. That what's loving is speaking the truth to someone and not flattering them all the time. And Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing. Admonishing sounds like rebuking and disciplining and encouraging one another in all wisdom. 
So true friends are willing to speak the truth in love. Now, all of this that I've said, everything I've said so far, needs one big, huge, giant footnote to all of it, and that is this. We have to correct carefully. I am not giving you a free pass to just say whatever you want to say to people if it's true. You're an idiot. Well, it's true. That was really dumb of you, and it's true. So I just, I can say it because it's true. That's not what I'm saying. Simon Cowell is not careful in what he says, right? He, he isn't bringing people aside and saying, listen, you really gave that your best. I, I'm really proud of you for all the work you put into it. I think that you should consider a different career. No, he's saying things like you would be stoned if you sang like that 2,000 years ago, right? And that's not careful. It's not kind, right? So we're actually going to take the entire next topic is called True Friendship is Careful to talk about this. But really quickly, we'll touch on that a little bit. When correcting, if you want to really be a candid friend and you want to correct someone, you must do so gently and with tact. You can't come into a situation accusing someone um, or harshly or with insults. Yes, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. Um, uh, so, when you are correcting someone, you need to do so gently and with tact, not accusingly or harshly or with insults, okay? Um, secondly, you need to come into a correcting situation not assuming that you are 100% correct, okay? Remember, your friend is fallen and sinful, but so are you. So, so don't come into the situation thinking, my friend is completely blind and I see everything and I am going to help them by illuminating this world to their poor blind eyes so that they can see all their faults. No, go into it assuming that there's probably things that you don't know, that there's elements to this that you don't understand. And so it's best when you confront someone to begin with questions. Hey, can I talk to you about so-and-so? Let me ask you something. Do you think that they're good for you? I, I've noticed you've been spending a lot of time with these guys. Do you, has that been helpful for your relationship with God? Is that, is that helping you to live out the Christian life? Because just from my perspective, what I'm seeing is it looks to me like you're going down this path Talk to me. Tell me what, what's really going on. Help me to understand what you see. Okay, you need to ask questions. You need to come at it with an uh, assumption that I might be missing something. There might be more to the story than I see. And then, as you point out things, don't just point out where they're wrong. Point them to Jesus. It's not your goal to just say, Ha! You're wrong! I was right. Got it. Three points for me. That's what some relationships are, right? It's like a big competition. Who's right? Who's wrong the most? That's not your goal. Your goal is to point them to Jesus. In the book we're, I'm reading here, he says this, It is very rare that I require experts in psychology or pastoral counseling to work out what I need to hear. So don't think I just need a psychologist to point out all that is wrong with me. More often than not, I just need friends who will point me to what I already know, but find hard to truly accept and live by. That, my friends, is the Christian life. That's the entire Christian life. Is we, we know the gospel. We know it's true. Now we just got to get our life to live like it's true, and we don't do it very well. 
and we need friends not to sit down with us. Like, don't think I can't really point out what's wrong because I don't have a PhD in psychology, so how could I help them? Most of the time, we don't need someone with a PhD in psychology. We need someone who just says, hey, do you remember John 3.16, that one that we learned back in Awana? What you're doing now doesn't really live like that's true. Okay, so more often or not, I need friends who appoint me to what I already know well, but find hard to truly accept and live by. That will mean frequent reminders of the amazing grace of God revealed in the gospel of Christ. That wonderful message always brings me hope. No matter how dire my circumstances or how deep my sin, I am a much-loved child of God, completely accepted by Him and able to call in my Father because of Christ's death for me. I have received the Holy Spirit and am a new person with a new power within, so I do not have to be trapped by destructive patterns of thinking or behavior. That paragraph right there is most of the time the advice that we need to share with our friends. Like 99% of the time, what we need to hear is, remember, you're a child of God. God loves you. Remember, you're forgiven. <coughs> remember, he gave you the Holy Spirit so that you can have power to fight this sin. Remember that your goal is to live a holy life and not just a happy life. Just those simple truths, if we come back to those, we will greatly edify our friends. Last thing, perhaps the most important or maybe even the first thing that we need to do to be a candid friend is we need to begin by receiving correction from others. Someone has to go first. If you want to have a candid friendship, someone has to be the first one to be corrected. And if you want to have true friends, I would encourage you, whether or not your friend is like dead on, when your friend gets up the guts to come up to you and say, I see this, your response is going to determine if you're going to have a true, candid friendship or not. So I would just encourage you, be quick to receive someone's encouragement. Yes? It might also help if you ask them where you're going wrong and what you, know, what you could be doing better or you know, how did I mess this up? Or, yeah. you know, what do you think is going on in my life? Can prompt it. So you can even invite it, exactly. Like Get the conversation going, right? That's good. Now, one caveat is this. Not everyone's critique is 100% right on. Okay? And that's okay. We should still invite their critique. And we should take their words as sincere and, and hopefully done out of the right desire to edify us. But we should pray about what they say. Lord, show me the truth in what they're saying. Show me, is there something I'm really missing? I need your help. But it doesn't mean that we just need to 100% say everything someone says to me is correct. We can discuss and we can uh, uh, work through it with them, okay? So, a true friendship is where both people have been given the right to be candid with each other. A true friendship has a back and forth element to it. Not that you're looking for things to point out in each other's life, but when you see something, you realize that we trust each other enough where we can say the truth to each other. So that's what a true friendship is. So let's talk about how we can apply this. I think we can apply it in these four ways. We're going to take just a minute to pray. And I want you to pray silently by yourself. And I want you to pray these four things. I want you to begin by saying, God, show me if there are any relationships where I need to have a candid conversation. I'm not saying, God, tell me where my friend's faults are. We see our friend's faults. 
Ask God, should I talk to them about those faults? Should I talk to them about things that I see are wrong? Because you might be wrong, and it may not be the right time, so we need to trust God to share with us when is the right time. Second, help me to speak the truth in love. Help me to communicate in love. Third, please give me friends who speak the truth to me. And fourth, help me to accept their advice. So take a minute, close your eyes. You can glance up here when you're done with each one. We're just going to pray for a few minutes over these four things. And as you pray, especially after the first one, listen. Pray it and stop and listen. Does God bring any names to your mind? And then plan to follow up with those people. This is not just a holy exercise that we just pray because that's what you do. We're literally talking to God and asking him a question. Expect him to give you an answer. Lord, help us as we pursue true friendship. Help us to have the courage to talk to those that you've brought to mind just now. And help us to talk to them with love and gentleness, with the acknowledgement that we may be wrong, that our perception might be off base, but come at it with a desire for their good, for their uh, closeness to you, for their, their health and their relationship with you. And Lord, open our hearts to receiving friends like this so that we might have true and genuine friendships and not the kind that are fake and only flatter and set traps for our feet. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Have a great week. Thanks for coming.